bold prayers. And uh, that's what I want to share with you about this morning and, and build your faith. So what I've done is I've asked you in this 21 days of prayer and devotion, I've asked you to pray boldly, to pray boldly, and to pray bold prayers. So let's go before God with boldness, and when we get there, let's pray some bold prayers. You know, there's a difference in a godly boldness and self-confidence or self-righteousness. We're not going in our own strength or our own abilities or our own goodness or correctness, but we're going in the, in the, in the goodness of God and we're going boldly before Him because He invited us to do so. We walk humbly before the Lord, but we're not pitiful. So there's no value in going to God in prayer and being pitiful. I think sometimes people think that if I'm pitiful and if I can play on God's sympathy, then maybe He will answer me. But you know, we don't have any record in Scripture where God responds to self-pity. God responds to faith. We don't go begging God, we go believing. It doesn't mean that at times we aren't passionate, that we aren't desperate. It doesn't mean at times that there isn't a sense of urgency about our prayer. But we never go to God begging, we go boldly to God believing. <clears throat> so I want us to go back to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. And let's look at verse 16 again and to draw faith from the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, and I think I'm reading out of the New Living Translation uh, this morning. Hebrews 4 and 16. All right, here we go. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Notice that Paul, who probably wrote the book of Hebrews, said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. The throne of grace represents God's official place of business. When you go to the throne of God, it's like going to before the, a, a, a judge at the, judge, the bar of judgment. It's an official place. And he told us to come boldly before the throne of grace. You know, the devil will come to us and try to intimidate us, belittle us, and accuse us every time we come before God. He wants to make us think we're unworthy. He wants to make us think that we're not good enough. He wants to remind us of our faults, failures, and our sins and make us timid and pitiful when we go before God. Paul, knowing this, said, when you go before God, go before God boldly, believing that you have been welcomed there and that the blood of Jesus is covering you. You're not going in your own goodness. You're going in His goodness. So come boldly to the throne of grace because Jesus paved the way for us. If you study out that fourth chapter of Hebrews a little more in-depthly than we'll have time to do today, Paul is talking about how that Jesus is our high priest. He came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He died a tragic and horrible death as an innocent man. 
He paid the price for all of us. And then he ascended to the Father, entered into heaven, and he goes there with his own innocence, his own perfection, and the, the, the sacrifice of his own life. And he asked us to follow in behind him, and we virtually hide behind his blood, and his righteousness covers us. So he paved the way so that you and I can go boldly before the throne of God. And when the devil comes and says, hey, you know you're not worthy. Hey, you've done this and you've done that and you haven't done this and you haven't done that. And you know you don't have any faith and you know this and you know that. He's the accuser of the brethren and he will always come to you right before you go into prayer. Just remember the words of the scripture. Because we have Jesus, a high priest that has gone before him, we're following in behind him, and we're coming boldly to the throne of God, not denying our faults, failures, or our sins, just declaring that the blood of Jesus Christ is covering us, and he has given us access to God. What a privilege we have to go before God and to make our requests known to him. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, first of all, practiced prayer regularly. And throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, over and over again, we read about the prayer life of Jesus. Not only did he practice prayer, but he taught prayer. And he emphasized the power and the potential of prayer, and he encouraged his disciples to pray. Let me give you some of the major verses that Jesus talked to us about prayer and its potential. Matthew 7 and 7, he said, Ask and it will be given to you, and you will, and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Matthew 21, 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive, if you have faith. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then again in John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Can you say amen? amen. Wow. Jesus just kept coming back to this over and over again and, and encouraging us to go boldly before the Father and ask Him for anything we need, anything we desire, whatever we feel like we need from God, go there boldly and ask Him. And He said, the Father will hear and answer your prayer. Now, the disciples not only heard the teaching of Christ, but they observed His pattern of prayer. And uh, what a great study that is to, to study the pattern of prayer in the life of Jesus. He had a personal culture of prayer. I want us to go to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, and this is on one of those occasions when the, apostle, the disciples uh, saw Jesus praying and said, Jesus, we want to pray like you pray because we see the result of your prayer. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day the food we need. 
and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. That's what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Actually, it was a prayer, a prayer model that he gave for us to pray. And in these first verses, he teaches us the attitude and the posture of prayer. Go to God as your Father, declaring His holiness, His righteousness, and His goodness. Thank Him and and trust in Him for meeting our daily needs. Go to Him asking forgiveness of our sins with a willingness to forgive other people's sin. And then finally pray and say, Father, don't lead us into temptation. This is the posture of prayer when we go before God. He continues then. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sakes, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Can you say amen? So the second thing he teaches us is to be bold about what you need. Just say, like the man said to his neighbor, I need something to eat. A friend has come in to spend the night. I don't have anything. I need to borrow some food for my guests. Just the boldness, just the the straightforwardness. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples and you and I today to be straightforward and bold about our prayer. Not tentative, not timid, not pitiful, but bold in declaring what you feel you need from God. The last thing he taught was be shamelessly persistent. He said, even though he's your friend, he may not get up, friend or not. Friendship may not get him. But you just keep standing outside his house hollering at him. And he's going to get up and give you the bread just so he can get some sleep. I mean, that's just it. And Jesus said, because of your shameless persistence, he gets up and he gives you what he needs. He's teaching us about prayer. And he's saying, when you go to God in prayer, you can't just ask one time and call it enough. You may have to continue to ask and continue to ask and continue to ask. He said, don't quit praying. Many of the prayers that we have prayed, that have gone unanswered, were not because we didn't pray in faith, but because we quit just before they were answered. So be careful that you don't pray once and say, well, I prayed, I guess it doesn't work, but just keep on praying. This is what Jesus said, just keep on praying and be shamelessly persistent about your prayer. Don't let the devil talk you out of it, just keep on and don't give up. I believe that God responds to bold prayers. I really do. Not whimpering, whining prayers, but bold prayers. The boldness of my prayer, the bigness of my prayer, is an indication of how big I see God. You know, if you see God as being small, limited in power and ability, reluctant in His willingness, then inevitably your prayers are really small. 
because you don't want to overpower the God as you see him. But when you pray big and bold prayers, it's because you see God as being big and bold and able to do all things. So God is not intimidated by our bold prayers. He is excited by them, and he's far more likely to answer our prayer when we are bold. So I want to encourage you to pray bold to a bold God. So when we pray bold prayers, they become uh, prophetic in terms of our future. I believe that when I'm praying and I'm speaking things that I believe God wants to do and I think are right and good and holy and, and according to God's will for my life, when I'm praying these prayers, they, be, they become like prophecies and I'm speaking into my future. You see, whatever the transcript of my prayers are becomes the script of my future. And so whatever I'm praying is having a, 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 an effect on my future. There's no words that I ever come out of my mouth that are more important, more powerful than the prayers that I pray. I believe all words are powerful whenever I say them, when I'm sad or when I'm mad or when I'm glad or, or when I'm tired or when I'm feeling good in the morning and night, when it's casual or when it's planned. I think all my words are powerful and they have an effect on my life. But the greatest, most effective words that ever come from my lips and yours are the words we say in prayer. Because those are the words that God hears and responds to. So I want to encourage you to be bold in prayer and declare the future you want, not the future you fear. A lot of prayers go unanswered simply because they were never prayed. You know, I feel like that many times in life we have intended to pray, planned to pray, hoped to pray, even promised to pray, but never really get around to actually saying the words. Prayers don't count until you say the words. You can hope to pray, mean to pray, plan to pray, think to pray, but at some point it has to become tangible and it has to become a reality and you actually have to say the words. And once those words are said, it becomes a matter of record. James simply said it this way, you do not have what you want because you do not ask for it. What a, what a powerful statement that is. You don't have what you want because you don't ask. You want it, you dream about it, you think about it, you like to have it, but you don't ever get around to asking for it. John talked about how that we need to file a petition with God. It's, it's, it's an official prayer, and so take your prayers from being wishing and hoping and dreaming to reality by actually filing an official petition in prayer and verbalizing what you're asking God for and be bold about it. Can you say amen? amen. So pray what you need and be willing to wait for it. There's two things that when I pray bold prayers that I have to be flexible on. Two things. Number one, how God answers that prayer, I have to be flexible. Now, sometimes I'll give God some strong suggestions on how he needs to get it done. Sometimes in case he needs some ideas, I'll kind of help him out. But I know going into it that most of the time God's ways are higher than my ways. His ideas are better than mine. And however he chooses to do it will be a lot better than the way I would have gotten it done. So when I pray bold prayers, I have to be real flexible on how it's going to come about. 
I make strong suggestions, but at the end of the day, I leave it to Him. The second thing I have to be flexible on is when God answers prayer. Once in a while, there are things I need to have done by a certain time. And I boldly say, God, I need this done by today or next week or the end of the year or the end of the month or whatever it is. It's okay to say, God, this need kind of has a time effect to it. And I need it done by this time. Well, you know, oftentimes God will do it in my time. But sometimes he doesn't always listen to my time. So I have to be flexible about when God does it. So I put my faith out there, and I say, Lord, this is when I think it needs to be done, which is usually like right now, (laughs) but I know that your ways are higher than my ways, and your wisdom far supersedes mine, and I'm willing to wait until you say it's time, and I'm going to believe until that time arrives. You see, there is a due season. There is a time for everything God has for me in my life. And I have to stand in faith and faithfulness until that time arrives. So the two things I have to be flexible about when I pray bold prayers is how God will do it and when he will do it. I have to be flexible about those two things. I just pray big, bold prayers and let God fill in the details. It doesn't mean I don't make strong suggestions and I don't have strong feelings about it, but I go into the deal knowing I've got to be flexible on how he does it And when he does it. Can you say amen? Amen. Now that part right there will help you. I'm not going to repeat myself. But I'm just telling you that part right there will help you in your prayer life. If you'll just get that down. Pray with faith. Believe God with all your heart. Tell him exactly what you want and when you want it. But be flexible. And don't hinge your faith on how it is done or when it's done. Let him figure that out. I think that sometimes my greatest challenge in praying bold prayers and really believing God is I try to figure out how it can be done. And if I can figure out how it can be done, I'll go ahead and pray it. But that's just the wrong way to do it. You know, you don't figure out how it could really happen. You just believe God and let Him figure out how it's going to happen. You know, if you're going to only pray prayers that are possible, why pray prayer at all? If it's possible, that means it's within the realm of probability, the realm of human, ability, of human ability. So we're praying about the impossible. That's stuff we can't do. That's stuff that's very improbable. That's stuff that probably is never going to happen. We're asking God to make it happen. And so we want to make sure that we're praying bold prayers. And we're not trying to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pray for this unless the med- medical science tells me it's possible. We have to pray for things that's not medically possible. We have to pray for things that's not financially feasible. We have to pray for things that's not logical, that isn't, uh, that isn't uh, probable. We have to pray for things that only God can do. And these are bold, bold prayers. Let's go back to the scripture. This time it's Mark chapter 11. We're going to begin reading in verse 11. And we're going to hear more teaching from Jesus on prayer. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree 
in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Wrong time of the year. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. The disciples heard him say it. Like, that's kind of strange, talking to fig trees. Then Jesus said to them, uh, next verse, please, verse 15. Let's, let's see, what did I say go to? Go to verse 20. So the next day they went by uh, when they, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and, whoa, here we go. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree, he had cursed. The disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots. So they walked by the, you know, on the same route, look at the fig tree. It was green yesterday, and it's withered up today. And so Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, that means teacher, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. This was an illustrated sermon. Jesus didn't have anything against the fig tree. He was just trying to teach his disciples something. That's why this whole thing happened. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Can you say amen? This was a pretty bold prayer. Pretty bold prayer. Jesus was trying to teach them about prayer, so he speaks to the fig tree. It withers in, overnight, and uh, then he sa they say, what is going on? How did that happen? Why did that happen? And he uses it as an illustrated sermon. And he says to them, if you have faith, you can even tell mountains to be moved, impossible things, things that you can't even imagine how they could ever be done. But those mountains will be removed. I look at mountains as obstacles. I'm not aware of any physical mountains being moved. I'm sure God could do it if he, if he chose. But I am aware that there are obstacles and things that prevent us from going forward in life. And, and God said, if you will speak to those obstacles and those things that are preventing you from going forward in your life, achieving, doing, and acquiring the things God has for you, if you'll speak to those mountains, those obstacles will be removed. And he said, whatever you pray, you'll have those things if you believe. And so you and I, by Jesus, are once again encouraged to pray and believe God with all of our heart, even if it means moving mountains. So when you pray, pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. I think about some of the bold prayers in the Bible that were prayed. First of all, there was a prophet by the name of Elijah in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18 who challenged prophets of Baal, false religions and gods, and he said, I want to challenge you to lay sacrificial animals on your altar, and then you pray, and if God, your God, causes the sacrifice to catch fire supernaturally without any of your help, then your God will be the real deal. And then after you finish, I'll pray, and let's see if my God will answer my prayer, and let the God that answers by prayer be the God of Israel. I tell you, Elijah had a lot of confidence in his prayer life. Elijah had a lot of confidence in his God. 
Elijah just knew that if he prayed, God would hear him. And this is a place that you and I grow to in our walk with God, where we just get to that place where we know God hears us when we pray, that we know that God responds when we pray. I can't tell you that there's a place where every single prayer you ever pray in your life is going to be answered exactly the way you prayed it. It doesn't mean God doesn't hear, it doesn't respond. He just doesn't always do things exactly as we would choose. But we pray bold prayers. And every time I pray, I know God is hearing me, and I believe He's responding to my prayer. And so I want to encourage you to pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. And believe in your own prayer life. I believe the most powerful, life-changing thing that I could ever do for you is to lay my hands on you and pray for you. That's, that's the biggest, best thing I have to offer. The second big thing I have to offer is to open the Scripture and share the Word with you. That's the two biggest things I have. The third biggest thing as I have is any spiritual gift that God might use me with. That's the three big tools that He's given me to operate with. But the number one and by far the greatest is prayer. I just know that when I pray, God hears me. I believe that when you pray, God hears you. The question is, do you believe it? Elijah prayed a bold prayer. He prayed a bold prayer and fire fell down of heaven and consumed the fact sacrifice. Because Elijah didn't just believe in God, he believed in his own prayer life and how effective it was. And today I'm spending time talking to you and encouraging you so you will believe in your own prayers. That God will answer. I think about another man whose name was Jacob who prayed a very bold prayer. Just a snippet of, of um, Jacob's experience. Jacob was one of the patriarchs, one of the men that God had chosen to give birth to the whole nation of Israel. And there was an occasion when he was in a desperate situation. He was returning home, and his brother, whom he had betrayed, was threatening to destroy him and his family and all of his livestock. His life was on the line. And so he sends his family ahead of him, and he stays back to spend the night in prayer with God. And the Bible teaches that when Jacob was praying during the night, an intense, passionate, desperate uh, intercession to God, that a, a, a spiritual being came to him, a spiritual man approached him, and uh, Jacob was so persistent and Jacob was so forceful, Jacob was so desperate and determined to have his prayer answered that this Jacob and this angelic being that was a form of God in that day got into literally a wrestling match. The Bible describes it that he wrestled with this man all night long. This angelic being that was there as a, as a representative of God, probably an epiphany of some kind, as he was there... Um, He's like wanting to have a little talk and leave, and he starts to leave. Jacob grabs a hold of him, won't let him go, and the guy keeps pulling back, and, and they're, they're in this tug of war, and he goes on all night, and Jacob says, I'm not going to leave, and the angel said, the day's breaking. It's going to be light. Let me go, and Jacob said, no, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And they wrestle a little bit longer. That was a bold prayer. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. 
I'm not letting you go till you bless me. And they wrestled until the angel realized that this man Jacob was so determined and he was so desperate and he was so intense in his faith, he wasn't going to win the wrestling match. The angel touched him in the hollow of his thigh and caused him to be lame for the rest of his life. And because of that, he had a physical advantage and the angel broke away, but not before Jacob got a blessing. He changed his name to Israel, which means a prince from God, and the blessings of God abounded on Jacob and his family thereafter. Because Jacob wrestled with God, he prayed a bold prayer, and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. People that walk in blessing have to have that kind of tenacity. They have to have that bulldog, won't give up, won't turn loose, that snapping turtle that, that gets a hold of something and won't let it go. When you, when you pray bold prayers, you just got to get a hold of it and say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you hear my prayer. I'm not going to stop until you answer me with what I need. There has to be that boldness in you that says, I will not let you go until you bless me. I want to give you one other example of a bold prayer. This time it's in the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 9. There was a young woman whose name was Tabitha, a godly young woman that had fell ill and died. Peter put everybody outside the room. He knelt down and he prayed. And then after he had prayed a few moments, he turned to the body and he said, Tabitha, arise. And immediately, the Bible said, she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Now, I'll tell you, when you're praying for dead people, that's bold right there. That's bold right there. So Peter kneels down, gets alone, prays a quiet prayer. Something happened in that quiet moment by himself, kneeling beside that dead body. And when he raised up from praying, he commanded that body to come back alive, and instantly she did. Amen. That's a bold prayer. That's a bold prayer. And uh, sometimes in your life, you're going to need to pray a bold prayer. You're going to need to pray a bold, bold prayer. A prayer that seems futile. A prayer that seems completely improbable, impossible, and not likely. But you've got, there are times in your life you've got to be ready to pray a bold prayer and believe God. For big things. Can you say amen? Yeah. <clears throat> I want to show you a verse. John chapter 1 verse 5 verse 13. He said, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And we are confident, look at that word confident, that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us, when we make our request, we also know that He will give us what we ask. We have this confidence. And so I've taken some time to share with you from the Scripture today to build your confidence in God, that He is indeed a prayer-answering God. And when you pray things according to His will, He hears us and He responds to our prayer. God is a prayer-answering God.